Hi, this is Carolyn, and I'm here with Aaron, and this is part two of our conversation with Bill Oaks about what we can learn from the pros to help our adult recreational game. If you haven't listened to part one, we hope you go back and listen, but here is part two. Bill, I really liked your point that the majority of the time we shouldn't be going for winners. I mean, I watched a, I watched a singles college match where I think I saw three winners hit. This is a division mm. one power five match. Right. Saw three winners hit in a match. It, every other point was an unforced or forced error. Mm-hmm. That's, so, that's my game. Uh, that's me. Yeah, are you the, unforced you, errors? This is unforced us. errors. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I think I set a That's record. What our for podcast the most. should have been called "Unforced Errors." I, think, I, I yeah, tried I, to name it. I actually tried to name it "Unforced Error," and somebody already had it. Yeah, I believe it. I think "Unforced Errors." You know, that's what that's what drives most points in rec, in USTA recreational play. It's not it's not winners. It's un, it's so if you cut down on your unforced errors, think of how many more points you'll win. Oh yeah. I haven't talked about well you you know, set up a point. Yeah. If you're a top player, you can set up a point, you know, you can you sh- and you know, it's game of chess. I think Roth, Rafael Nadal may be the greatest player ever at also learning how to set up a point. He will, he plays two points. He plays two shots ahead. He knows that if he moves you to this particular point, you're going to have choices. Then you're going to have, and then he's going to do, he, this is what he's already in his head. This is what I'm going to do. And then, you know, uh, Novak is great at it. Obviously, top players are great at it because they, they want to not only take care of the physical excellence they have, but the mental excellence and playing. They play chess when they're out there, not playing checkers. And I think that we need, you know, top players, that's a, that's a key factor. But I think most of them know that. I'm really thinking more about the players that are 2-5, 3-0, on how to – small little things to make their game a little bit better from what I've seen from the top players and heard from the top players. Yeah. I watch myself play tennis and it's shocking that I can win matches because I I don't feel like I'm that good either, but I have a lot of fun doing it. She's great. I think your last statement is the most important one. You have a lot of fun doing it. Exactly. And the other part and the part that I think really I, I find great about both of you and so many others is that you have joy and and in the game and what you do and you get to have fun with it and you get to do things like this podcast where you get to hopefully bring that joy to others and let them talk about the joy they have in playing you know tennis the sport of a lifetime yeah but again back to doubles too um if our two opponents are talking and they seem to be coming up with a plan i'll sometimes walk up to my partner and just say i don't really have anything to say but i want them to think that we're coming up with a plan whether we have one or not because that that gets in their head your communication with your partner does not need to be always, "Hey, do this." It's, "Hey, we got this." Hey, you know, what do you do? You have any? Do you have any thoughts? Take a split second. You've got at the pro tour. There's 30 seconds between points. Okay, I, every you know, some people want to maximize that. Some people take advantage of it. I get that, but don't feel like you a point ends and you have to be in position right away. Play the comfort and pace of your game within the rules. So that doesn't mean you can take two minutes between points, but take your few seconds between points. And it, you know, and sometimes you need it. Sometimes you need the, you know, to clear your head on a bad shot or whatever it is. So take that time. The pros do. And they do it. I mean, when you watch a professional player try to play fast, it's because they feel like they're on a roll and they've got their opponent in a bad spot. When you see players play slow, sometimes it's because they they play slow to just slow down their opponent or get in their head. But it's 
all based on their comfort and their desire to keep a pace that they want. And the same thing can be for, for regular posts. Just do it within the rules. And that's the, you know, do it within your time, your allotted time and don't feel bad or pressured. And if you see them, you know, eight seconds after the point's over, standing and ready to serve and you need a break, just say, and you don't even need to say sorry if you don't want to. I mean, I think that's a nice thing to say, but you know, take your sec, take your few seconds. Hey, give me a sec. Yeah. I have a question for you. Are you still playing pretty often? I don't play as much as I'd like to because I have a bad shoulder from a skiing accident. And so I've never decided to, I don't want to get surgery. So serving is really problematic for me. I like to, I like to hit, but uh, I was playing with Dave Odom, the former Wake and Wake Forest and University of South Carolina basketball coach. Um, We're about the same level. We would hit pretty regularly, but he always wanted to play points. And I always would say, I'm not going to play with you if we're going to play points. Because I can't serve. He's like, oh, no, no. And and then he, you know, after we'd hit for five minutes, like, let's play some points. I'm like, right. (laughs) That's great. I do have one more question for you, Bill. Since you did used to play tennis a lot and you played in a fun league, what's your most memorable moment on the court? It's not a good one. Um, (laughs) That's okay. So I was playing, I was playing in an 18s event uh, more than two days ago. Uh, being that I'm now 57, I was playing in an 18s event and on clay, and um, I was getting I drew the second seed in the tournament, and he was crushing me. I mean, hammering, beating me senseless. So I had lost the first set six love, and I think I was down two love in the second, and I was ser- it was 40 30, and I was serving. And I served, and I served a volley and came up, and he lobbed me. And he uh, hit a great lob, four inches inside the baseline. Um, and I called it out. I hooked him and so I could win a game. And I went and rubbed out the mark. Uh, after the match, um, after the match, we're at the net, and I said, I just couldn't lose double bagel. Aww. And he laughed. And he goes, no, I don't blame you. Aww. And he was a good player. He played Division One college, um, and uh, but it was so much fun uh, playing that event. And I, I mean, I remember it to this day. I can tell you what where I was, what court I was on. He was just a really good guy. Uh, I mean, I, I will say my favorite positive memory was the first time um, I got to play a match with my parents at St. John's College High School in Washington D.C. Uh, we would go play there, and I remember as a ki- as a little kid going to play there and then playing match with my parents, and that was that to me is really what drove my love in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I became a ball boy at the Washington Star, which is now the City Open. Um, I started working at tennis courts at Wintergreen in 1977, and this has been my you know tennis has been a good portion of my adult life and career, and it's so much fun, and it's it's brought me so many friends. Um, mm-hmm. And funny stories and, you know, whether it's Brooke Shields or Martina Navratilova or Andre Agassi or Pete Sampras, uh, I've got so many funny stories that I wish I could write a book. But many of these people would then try to run me over if they if I <laughs> wrote the book. Exactly. We can't thank Bill enough for being on the podcast. If you'd like to see a picture of Bill, please check out our website, which is com. Thanks so much for listening and hope to see you on the court soon.